You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 213. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and this episode is gonna be awkward. I mean, really awkward. So here's the deal. If this is the first time you've ever listened to my podcast, please do not make this your first episode. I'd rather you go back a few episodes, like go back to episode 200, where I dive into some specific online marketing strategies and techniques. I get into the nitty gritty of all the different moving parts of building an online business. That is what I'm known for and what I'm most comfortable teaching. This podcast space has always with a couple exceptions, been a place where I share online marketing tips and strategies. 100% my comfort zone. And don't worry, that's still my plan moving forward with other episodes to come. But this year, I've made an intentional decision to step out of my comfort zone, or actually maybe a lot with this episode today, and let you in on some more behind-the-curtain type personal things. If you listen to episode 210, my five lessons I learned from Shonda Rhimes just a few weeks ago, you'll see where some of the inspiration for this week's episode actually came from. Like speaking my truth was something that I was really inspired to do based on what I learned from Shonda Rhimes, one of my favorite mentors. So today's episode is titled 10 Things I'm Embarrassed to Tell You. Several years ago, a well-known podcaster that I love, Jess Lively, shared an episode with her audience with this type of format. I think she called it 10 Things I'm Afraid to Tell You. And the honest and raw truth from that post really hit a chord with her listeners. And I believe that even back then, it created a bit of an online honesty movement. I really do believe that that's where some of this began way back when. She still does these episodes and they're priceless. In my opinion, there are far too many people in the online world that have created these everything is awesome online personas, and it really casts a false light on what's actually going on behind the scenes. Now, I, for one, don't want to be looked at by those that follow me as this person that has it all figured out, doesn't have bad days doesn't struggle in both my personal and business life. That's so far from the truth, it's laughable. And so I titled this 10 Things I'm Embarrassed to Tell You, and I shouldn't be embarrassed by this stuff. I mean, it's just life stuff. It's the real stuff, but I feel embarrassed because it's not my highlight reel. I mean, for the record, it's really far from it. As entrepreneurs, I believe that what's personal is business and what's business is personal. I know not everyone would agree with me on that, but my business is my baby. And so with that, even if you have other babies, your business can still be your baby. And with that, I think that the personal and the business blend together, especially if you are building a personal brand. And so you can't just be sharing the highlight reel on social media and videos and everything else you do. So I bet you'd be surprised as to how much in common we have. 
And especially when it comes to things that make me embarrassed or ashamed or feel stupid. And so I feel like we've got to talk about that stuff. So I'm not going to do this all the time, but I am taking a little bit of a detour on some of my podcast episodes to let you in. We've had a relationship for many years, at least some of us have. You've been listening to my podcast for many, many years, or you've been in my programs, or you were in my very first Facebook program back in the day. Many of you have known me for a long time. It's just recently that I've pulled back that curtain and I said, hey, take a look at this mess over here, or take a look at what really is true in my world. It's not all messy. I don't feel like I'm a hot mess or anything like that, but I feel like I've got really messy days sometimes. And so I just want you to see it all, not just the highlight reel. That's what this episode is all about. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Okay, so I'm just going to start out with one of the most difficult ones to talk about because it's so personal, and that is that sometimes I wonder if Hobie and I made the right decision about not having kids together. So I was married at 31, and we definitely thought we would have kids. And then I started my online business, and I was all in. I mean, incredibly focused, hustling like a hustler. I mean, I was really in it morning, noon, and night. And some of you don't realize this. I think many of you do, but Cade is my stepson. So Cade came into my life when Hobie did, and Cade was four. And so it felt like we already had a kid. I very much look at Cade as my own, and I have a very good relationship with his mom. As many of you know, I've talked about that on the show. So it felt like I had an instant child, and we had Cade all the time. Cade was a 50-50 partnership between Hobie and I, and then Cade's mom, who lives five minutes away. So he was in our life all the time. And so it felt like we had a little one already. And then time flew by and we just never took the leap. We talked about it. We didn't really have an overwhelming sense to do it. Another year went by, talked about it again. Another year went by. And then we finally got to the point that we said, "Ah, I don't think so. Hobie's a little bit older than me. And so both of us now are in our 40s. And we started to think like, I don't think we want to have a kid in our 40s. Nothing wrong with it. No judgment if you are. However, that wasn't right for us. So about three years ago, I'm 41 years old now. So three years ago, Hobie had a vasectomy. Oh my gosh, we're really getting personal now, huh? I don't know if he knows I'm even talking about this on the show. Remember, he doesn't listen. He's never going to know. Sorry, babes. But anyway, I have to tell you that because on our way home from the doctors, after he got this procedure, 
I started crying in the car, like really crying. And he looked over like, babe, I'm not reversing this. Like, please, what are you crying for? He was like freaking out. Like, I thought this was what we both wanted. Quite honestly, I probably wanted it a little bit more than him. I was a little bit more sure of not having kids than he was. And so he was so confused. And I just said, you know what? I need a moment because now it's real. We've made the decision. We've actually taken a big step to say we're really not having kids. Now it's real. And I had to let all those emotions out on the drive home. And then I was okay. And I really was okay with the decision. And so sometimes I just think, oh my gosh, I hope we made the right decision. But when I say that out loud, there is this little voice in me saying, you did. I've never been one of those girls who just couldn't wait to have a family, couldn't wait to have babies. I love babies. If you've got a baby, give me that baby. I want to eat it up. I love children. However, I just never really had this overwhelming sense that I wanted to have my own. So I guess God knew what he was doing bringing Kate into my life because I feel like I do have a son. It's not the same, I know, but I I feel like he's a huge part of my life. And we made the decision not to have a baby. And I hope it was the right one. I mean, heck, I might be 50 and adopting. You never know. I seriously doubt it, but never say never. I feel good with the decision, but I always have those little thoughts that creep in. So there you have it. Number two, remember, we've got 10 of these. We got to hurry this along because I'm like sweating of awkwardness right now. Number two, this is a work one. So I mixed up the personal and the work stuff. I work well under pressure. So sometimes I let myself wait to the very last minute to finish something because that feels okay to me. I know I'll get it done. Like I'm a champ in the last hour. However, This causes tremendous stress for my team. And I recently talked about having a bigger team. So now when I have all these full-time employees and they're waiting on me to the last minute to finish something so they can do their job, that causes overwhelming stress for them. And getting even deeper into the truth, I am not so nice to Hobie in those moments. And I hate myself for it. So for example, When I wait to the last minute to finish my webinar slides, something I teach all of you not to do. So this is something once in a while I've done. I'm not proud of it. Remember, this is the truth episode. It's not my norm, but it happens. And I'm working on these slides at the last minute during a launch, which is stressful in itself. I am so snappy at Hobie. Like the guy can't even look at me one way where I'm not on his case about something. And that makes for a terrible experience. He's a champ about it because he knows all the emotions of the last minute work during a launch, but it's not fair to him. And so me waiting to the last minute because I know I could work like a champ in those moments really is unfair to my team. And I'm embarrassed by it because I teach getting things done in advance. And I'd say 80% of the time I walk the talk, but there's that 20% of the time I let it slide and I think I'm going to be just fine. And I look at the destruction I leave around me and I realize you're a jerk, Amy. Get it together. Don't do this. Number three, (sighs) let's just stop this now because I don't even want to talk about number three. Number three is I worry about aging because of my online presence. Now, I hate to talk about this one because it's embarrassing. I already told you I'm 41, which I didn't even want to say that earlier. I just kind of slid it in there. Did you see how I did that? 
I don't love being in my 40s. I've always been younger than everybody in the work I was doing. Like when I was at Tony Robbins, I was in my 20s when people were at the same table with me on the executive team that were in their 40s. And I like found pride in that. Like, look at me. I'm young and in charge and doing big things. Well, now here I am in my 40s. And there's a lot of younger people doing amazing things right now. And I just worry about the aging. And sometimes I look at pictures of when I just started and I look like a baby compared to what I look like now. And the truth is, it is hard to get older on video, especially when you're showing up every single day and it's a big part of your business. And so I would like to say I subscribe to the, I'm going to age gracefully and not even worry about it and embrace every wrinkle I have. I'm not there yet. I'm going to fight this battle. So I pay close attention to my skin. I'm obsessed with things like LED light and multi-wave technology to help stimulate collagen in your skin. Yeah, I really take that stuff seriously. And don't laugh. It, it genuinely works. And so I pay close attention to skincare, like a lot. And so I've never done this before. This feels very weird, but I've been asked about it enough. For those who care, probably more so the ladies than men, but hey, I think you boys should pay attention to this as well. I'm going to list some skincare regimen type things that I swear by in the show notes. I'm just going to list them. Now, no laughing or thinking like, Amy, who do you think you are? You're not an expert in skincare. Oh, I am far from it. However, I study this stuff a lot and it works for me. Like there's some things that are literally working so well in terms of anti-aging and skincare. And I get a lot of compliments about my skin on video. So it's gotta be working, right? I'm gonna fight this aging battle. I am. One day I might just say, who cares anymore? But it ain't happening right now. So anyway, I'll let you look at the list if you want. Okay, let's move on from that one. Number four, we're back to a work one. I sometimes don't like to tell you that I use a copywriter. Now, you all know I do. I've talked about my amazing copywriters, Rye and Tarzan. I use two different ones. However, when I say it in the back of my mind, I think I don't want to tell them this. And the reason for that is I'm afraid that if you hear I use a copywriter, you're going to think that everything you read, my emails, my sales pages, my social media, all of it, you're going to think, well, that's not really Amy talking. And then if you think that, you're not going to feel a true connection with me. And if you don't feel a true connection with me, you're not going to want to be a part of my tribe and, and buy my programs and, and dive into my content and all that stuff that I do. So my fear is that you will not feel connected to me. Now, what I do want to tell you, since we're just talking about this topic, is that I have a really close relationship with my copywriters. This is maybe something you can take away from this as well. I literally text Rye and Tarzan independently about funny things that happen in the day and stuff we like to talk about, and we're in contact a lot. I actually consider both of them my really good friends. It didn't start out that way. We were just coworkers, if you could call it that, but I made it my mission. And I think so did they to get really close. So they knew me, they know how I talk. They know how I think they know my, my little quirks. So that all comes out in the writing. So the truth is when you read anything from Rye or Tarzan, it really is coming from me. They have become an extension of me 
throughout all of their copywriting processes and, and what they've put into place in terms of knowing me before they write. And so that is the truth. But I do worry about that when you hear that I have copywriters. All right, number five. We're mixing up the personal and the business. We're going back to personal. I don't always love being the one in the relationship that makes the most money. It's way too much pressure sometimes. And it's a weird shift in our relationship. And Hobie doesn't love it either. So we talked about this in episode 161. So if you've already listened to the episode called Love and Business, How to Make It Work, Hobie and I were very open about this. And he talked about the fact that it's not his favorite thing ever. And here's the deal. This is actually kind of a sexist conversation because I grew up in a household where the dad went to work and the mom stayed home and the dad controlled all of the finances. He worked more. We had more. He worked less. We had less. And he was the dictator of how we spent the money. And I grew up thinking that is exactly how it is meant to be. And then I look at my marriage and it looks dramatically different. First of all, I don't control the finances. Hobie doesn't control the finances. We do that together. But I make a whole lot more money than my husband. And if I'm being really honest with you, the embarrassing part is sometimes I wish that he made more money so that I could take a break. And we've built a lifestyle around our money. Now, we're very careful with it, and we don't overspend, and we don't live beyond our means. But if I stop making money, we would definitely have to change our lifestyle because we've built our lifestyle around my income and his income. And so sometimes I think, maybe I just want to take a break. Now, here's the crazy part, the part I'm most embarrassed about. I don't want to take a break. If you said, okay, Amy, I'm going to wave a magic wand. Hobie makes more money than you. I'd be like, wait, 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 maybe not. Maybe I don't want you to do that. Like, I want to make my money. It's just I want the choice to step back if I want to, and I don't necessarily have that. And so I sound like a idiot saying this. Like, I feel weird saying all of this to you because it makes no sense. I want to make the money, but I don't want to have to make the money. There it is. So there is that weird dynamic. We work through it. We talk about it a lot. It was a way bigger issue in the beginning when it happened. It's been going on for many years now, so it's not really a thing as much anymore, but I wanted to be open about that one. Number six, we're moving on. I am somewhat embarrassed by the fact that I am a fierce competitor. So I want to be at the top of the charts of iTunes. I want to be the number one affiliate in launches that I do. I just want to win to the point that it's more my ego than anything else. So I really push myself or I really push my team because I just want to win the race. And with that, that means I'm comparing myself to other people that are so-called in the race. Like they might not even think they're my competitor, but I'm comparing myself to where they're at and where I'm at. And you know that I've talked about this one before. Comparing yourself to other people is really the worst thing you can do. And it slows you down. It messes up your, your mental game and it does no good for anybody. So I have to really check my ego at the door. And I was trying to get up in the charts on iTunes for a while. Like I wanted to boost myself up even higher. And I had to realize, wait, why am I doing this? Now, there's benefits of being up in the iTunes charts, definitely. But my downloads increase every single month. 
So whether the algorithm is sending me up those charts or not, I look at my real numbers, just mine, nobody else's, and I'm doing really well. But my ego is just pulling me back to that dang chart. And I feel like that just takes all the fun out of it. We're trying to have fun here as well, right? And so my competitive spirit can just suck the fun out of everything. So I have to be very careful of it. And that's why I told you guys about this in another episode. I listened to that podcast called Making Oprah, and I fell in love with Oprah's philosophy of putting blinders on and running your own race. And I have to be intentional about that. And I tell myself that and I remind my team, but really it starts with me as the visionary of this business. Put those blinders on, Amy. Get off of that crazy cycle of trying to beat everyone and be competitive. It's not going to get me anywhere. So I'm embarrassed to even admit that I'm that competitive, but it's in my blood. So anyway, okay, moving on to number seven. That last one was a little bit about business, right? Now we're back to the personal stuff, which is definitely more difficult. So here it is. Growing up, I was always afraid of my dad. He was strict and stern, and he expected more out of me than I thought was fair. I love him dearly. To this day, I could call him up right now, and and we'd have a great conversation. He's mellowed out a lot. Funny how that happens with age, right? But he was hard on me. And for some reason, I took it a lot harder than my sister. We're only two years apart, and she doesn't seem to be as affected by it as I am. I think I'm just more sensitive than her. And so my childhood experiences definitely put me at a distance with my dad as I was growing up. So we haven't always been incredibly close, although I love him dearly. So I think I still have hard feelings about some of my childhood experiences and some things that happened with my dad. And I actually last summer went through an intensive therapy called EMDR. I won't get into it. For those of you who know it, you probably realize how powerful it can be, but I'm going to link to it in the show notes and I'm going to link to the doctor that I went to, Dr. Michaela. If you guys listen to James Wedmore's podcast, he actually had Dr. Michaela on the show and he recommended this therapy to me and it was so good, so good. So anyway, I worked through some of these past issues I had with my dad. I had to learn to let go of them. He wasn't gonna change. So that was big for me. But here's the reason why I'm telling you this one. If we go to current day, sometimes I see myself being really hard on Cade and I have to pull back, like being strict. He gets straight A's, but I'm still pushing him to study more. Or he does not give us any problem whatsoever about missing curfews or being irresponsible, but I'm still hard on him about those things. And so I see that, I see my father coming through and I have to pull back because I never want distance between us. It's funny how those things like are really part of who you are because it's what you know and you kind of have to shed them. So I have to be very careful with how I parent Cade in terms of being the strict parent. Hobie is way more lenient and he's a really good father. So I kind of want to follow in his footsteps and look at what he's doing. So kind of cool. Okay, moving on to number eight. This truth you already know if you are a fan of my podcast. I'm embarrassed about my weight 
and I don't like to do video because of it. And the reason I'm bringing this one up again is I can't do 10 things I'm embarrassed of and not bring up the weight issue because it is very obvious. You see me, you know what I look like, and it's very personal to me. Now, I did an episode all about this. If you want to hear it and you haven't yet, it's episode 179, and it's just nine minutes because that's all I could do, just nine minutes of talking about my weight, and I'd rather you just like hit me over the head because it was so painful. But I wanted to bring it up because I know many of you struggle with how you look or how you feel on video or your online presence, and I wanted to say, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep showing up. I want you to keep showing up. And I wanted to give you a quick update. I've been making some great progress around learning to love myself more, moving my body more, fueling my body in a way that works better for me. And so I feel like things are really starting to move forward. Not huge progress yet, slow and steady. So I'm going to keep sharing with you and I'll share some details about what I'm doing to get healthier when I know for a fact I'm sticking with them. I don't like to report anything back to you until I know I'm doing it and it's working for me. It's a little bit too new to talk about. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not on a fad diet or or anything that I wouldn't do till I'm 80 years old. I just am changing my lifestyle and it's making me happier and I feel better. So I just wanted to share that with you. We are seeing some progress over here, but still Still, the weight is here. I'm still embarrassed to do video. I don't like to get in front of stage and everyone look at me um, because of the weight. And that holds me back. And I hate that. So that is something that I'm changing. Number nine. Oh my gosh, we're almost done. I hope you're liking this episode because I'm like in a puddle of sweat right now. I like to share this stuff with you, but I also don't want you to judge me or think less of me or think, whoa, I thought this girl had it together and she is a little bit messy over there. So I hope you are listening to this with a lot of love and compassion for me because I promise if you put out your 10 things, I'll do the same for you. So number nine. This one's a weird one. You got to tell me if you've ever experienced this, like DM me on Instagram, or that's usually where I'm seeing all the conversations right now. I'd love to know if I'm alone in this one or if you can relate. Number nine is that when I have a big success, like my million dollar launch or B-School, that was like one of my most successful launches I've ever done. When I have something really great happen to me, I feel a tinge of guilt And I struggle with it. And I fear that the success is going to be taken from me. That's deep, right? Don't be too worried for me. This is getting better. It used to be horrific like years ago where I had a big success and there was like five days of being in the dumps and feeling scared and guilty of my success. I don't deserve it. That used to be very big for me. But I bring this one up now. It's funny. It's easier to bring things up when you see a light at the end of the tunnel. And my commitment to you is not to always have the light at the end of the tunnel. I want to share some things with you while I'm in it, if I have some value to add. But with this one, I have seen the light at the end of the tunnel. So recently, we had that big B-School launch. It was hugely successful. And I had that tinge of guilt happen. And that kind of darkness that comes over me where I felt like, oh, I don't know if I really deserve this. What if it gets taken away from me? I don't know how it would get taken away from me, but like if something good happens, I think something bad's going to happen. So I had that feeling come over me, 
but I have tools now that I know, wait a second, I can, I can shift this. I know what to do. So I start telling myself what is true, what is real. I start reminding myself that I worked really hard for this and that I deserve it. And even if I didn't work really hard for it, I still deserve it because I am who I am. And so there's so many emotions that come with that success that I have to really say, wait a second, Amy, this is yours. You did this and you can enjoy it and you can, you really have fun with it. And now that I have a team, it's funny, you know, that when you become a parent, obviously I've never become a, an actual biological parent, but I know when my friends have become a parent for the first time, they start to look at life differently This is going to be so overly dramatic. I don't mean it to be. But now that I have a team, I look at myself differently and I think, well, how am I coming across to this team? I don't want them not to enjoy these huge successes. I don't want them to feel my guilt or tinge of like, oh, no, something good happened. Something bad's going to happen. Like, that's crazy town. And so I really worked on it this last time. And that feeling of that guilt or whatever you call it, it went away quickly this last time. And I thought, okay. I'm getting this under control. This is this is awesome. I'm seeing progress. Progress, not perfection. So anyway, that's a weird thing that happens to me. And I just wanted to share it with you because I thought maybe some of you have ever felt that way before. Number 10, we're in the home stretch. I'm so excited. This one is more of a work one. And I, I'm embarrassed to talk about this one because it really shouldn't be happening. And that is, I struggle with letting go even though I have an awesome team. A perfect example of this is that I still see every single email that goes out. Now, to take that one step further, I might have already reviewed the email once, but right before it goes out, I still see it again. And the reason I justify this in my head is that, you know, this email is coming from me. It's in my own voice. It is my stories and things that I'm teaching. It's got to be perfect. Obviously, we know that is not true. It does not need to be perfect. And it really comes back to me just wanting to control everything. And now that I have this team, I talked about that in episode number 208, if you missed it. But now that I have this team, I want them to feel empowered. And I don't want them to be afraid of making mistakes. And so I think that as long as I hold on tight and have to see every email that goes out and I have to be, you know, have my hands in everything, they're never going to feel like they own it. And also they're going to be really afraid to make a mistake because I'm hovering over them saying, don't make a mistake. So I've got to give them grace. So this is something that I'm very aware of right now because the team just got bigger and I'm still holding on. So I've got to let go. So I'm embarrassed that I hold on so tight and that I still see everything that goes out and I don't need to because I've got this awesome team. But I'm praying that with time, I start to let that go just a little bit and then a lot. Baby steps, my friend. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers. 
And I know you're doing important work. And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. So there you have it, a bit of me bearing my soul. Now, the point of this episode, I hope it wasn't as awkward for you as it was for me. I'm guessing it was not. But the point of this episode was for me to be honest about parts of my personal and business life that you might not know about me yet. I really want you to know me. So when you see me out and about in real life, or better yet, when you come to one of my events in San Diego, you don't just know the shiny, social media-approved side of me. I want you to know all of me, and I want you to know that I am just like you in so many ways. That's when I think the true connections happen. I also really hope that maybe something I said today will help you feel not so alone in what you're going through or maybe even encourage you to be more honest and real with your own online community. And can I just say thank you? Thank you for allowing me to feel safe enough to even share an episode like this today. I can't wait to get back to the tips, tricks, nitty gritty social media strategies next week. Oh my gosh, that is my safe space. I can't wait. And plus, I think you all like it as well. You like those how-to step-by-step trainings and we're getting right back there next week. Okay, guys, again, thanks so much for being here and I'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.